Welcome to the Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the exploration and cultivation of the outside genius found in neurodivergence. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast. My name is Lillian Skinner, and I'm your host. Today is the first podcast and I wanted to talk about what fundamentally is the difference between neurodivergence and neurotypical. And it is one simple thing. That is the difference of whether or not you're a two-day processor, which is how our systems work, our schools work, how everything in our system teaches and expects you to process by, or if you're a three-day processor, which is how the neurodivergence differ from the neurotypicals we are more complex processors. We use more sensing data. We have higher sensing. Hence, we have higher sensitivity. How do I know this? Well, I am a researcher and I am a gifted neurodivergent myself. I have pretty much, I think, about the highest level of neurodivergence you can have. I come from a family of high-functioning autistic savants, but I test almost in every single neurodivergent test. I actually test as dyslexic and hyperlexic which sort of cancels itself out. So I didn't have any identification of disability growing up, and I have three children who, growing up, they were identified as ADHD, uh, autistic, yet we aren't behind in the school systems. We're actually ahead. When I was going through this with them, the school said, no, they're disabled. They cannot be, um, even though they're testing way in advance of others, they are still technically disabled because they do it in their head. And I was like, give me a break. So I pulled them out of school. Um, This is my second one and my third one. And I homeschooled them and watched them fly through grades. And then I put them back into Montessori school. Now my oldest actually went through a multitude of schools and I'm sorry that it wasn't as clean and easy for him, but he was also a boy. So his cognitive growth spurt, his largest one didn't actually occur till much later. So he struggled more so than the girls. The girls hit their cognitive growth spurt like around 9, 10, and went screaming up in a single area um, and pretty much were solid ahead across the board from the beginning, but also once they had that, very much so. I have a middle kid who is a math savant, and she is going into college next year, and she's really supposed to be going into eighth grade. I've kind of held her back in a way. I didn't try to accelerate her, but when it became so obvious that the school was only doing more detriment than it was benefit, it it just became like, okay, let's come home. And then she went up so many grades in just a few short years that she was ready to go to college. But I don't want to push her. I really want her to be, you know, normal child as much as she can, even though she's very intense and much mature for her age. She still is a child, and I don't want to take that away from her. So I've been really trying to give her the best experience of schooling while meeting her where she's at in those grades. But I have learned so much in this process. And basically what I have discovered, and you will not hear this out in the science, I'm giving you a big picture perspective. And again, I'm not, I'm supposed to tell you I'm not an expert because I am not an expert, but I am living this. And that's more than I can say for most of the neurodivergent doctors I know. I am actually the one who's on the ground testing as we go. I know Dr. Linda Silverman, and she's, she works with the Profoundly Gifted, and my kids are in her Profoundly Gifted retreat that she started. But we have this savant area as well that we also have extreme giftedness in. 
but yet we still get told that we are disabled in the system. And I just finally had enough. I finally decided that, you know, I'm going to start my own podcast because I'm really, really, really tired of being told there's something wrong with me when, as far as I can tell, there's nothing wrong with me. Yes, I am different. My entire family is different. We have struggled immensely in the system. But when I left the system and I figured out a way to make a living outside of it, not really completely outside of it, but I just became a contractor and I had more flexibility and I had more ownership of my time and my schedule and my life, everything that made me struggle kind of went away. I don't really want to be rich. I would rather just be healthy. And we have this system that makes it seem that you can't be healthy unless you're rich. And I just want to say that that isn't true. That isn't true. You don't need that much stuff. Now, I grew up in poverty. I grew up with parents who let me know every day that there was something wrong with me, and I felt very broken. I felt destroyed when I came out of the system, and I worked incredibly hard for attention. I worked incredibly hard to be a good girl, a good enough person. I worked past my limits. I have epilepsy, which many of us do, and I've had way too many seizures and hurt myself. And when I stopped working in the system, the seizures pretty much stopped because finally I was able to sleep enough. There's so many things wrong with the system. It's not you. It is the system. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and there's like a vice crushing us all. And I just want to tell you that there's nothing wrong with you. It is the system. Now, how do you work in a way that's going to be outside the system? Well, this is a perfect time to find out because we're facing so many things in our future that are unknown, that are going to change, that we're looking at in the next 10 years, the amount of change that will occur will be greater than the last 100 years. I am also a futurist. I've always been something of a futurist, even before I was certified. The future is something I'm good at. And I went in to understand why have I always been able to know what's going to happen next and, and then sort of make things happen for me because I can see the alternatives of what could possibly happen. And it turns out that there's a very simple test for this. Every gifted neurodivergent probably falls into this, and although some of you will not test on this because my father, who is a musical savant, does not have the, actually the skill and cannot see this test, but many of you will. So I'm going to give you the test anyways. And if you still believe you're neurodivergent because you have, you're incredibly gifted in music, math, or empathy, then I think you should still contact me. But this is for the, those of us who can visually, spatially see. Now the test goes, I want you to picture something in your mind's eye, and it will be something simple like a ball, a beach ball. Now, if this ball is flat, it's like it would be found on a flashcard, you're a 2D thinker. But if this ball is like it would be in real life and you can sort of rotate it around and see the top and the bottom and it's in full dimension, then you're a 3D thinker. And I do believe there's more dimensions of thinking and seeing and, and what have you. And my family has that in their savant areas. But for neurodivergence and for those of us with profound giftedness, according to Linda's visual spatial giftedness, if you are a 3D thinker, then you are going to be higher gifted. But our system doesn't really want you to know this. It's, it's sort of repressed this because those of us who are visually spatial, we're kind of gifted in not the cerebrum, but the cerebellum. It is your sensing giftedness that creates that third dimension. And because that sensing difference is so high, pretty much everything they tell you about average does not apply. 
And this goes for across the board, all of your emotions, because I have found that the things I've been told about ruminating, the things I've been told about procrastination, the things I've been told about perfectionism, all of those things are actually wrong. And the reason I know is I have the highest form of intuition and my intuition really just delivers for me. It always has. And for a long time, I, I didn't want to hear it. I, I would push it down. But as I got older and as I got into my working for myself and became self-employed and as I had children, I found it to be just so accurate in the most impressive ways that I could no longer deny that I definitely did move through the world in a different way. And you can see why they would want to stifle this in us because we have this ability to see the full picture. They don't want us to see the full picture. They want us to see the 2D picture that they give us and we regurgitate. But when you're 3D, you can see the things they're not saying. When I was a little kid, I would probably have been diagnosed with ODD, but I wasn't ever in trouble. I, I got yelled at for asking questions, that wrong question to ask because they basically were asking, you know, pulling back the, the curtain in the Wizard of Oz. But I didn't get in trouble for being disruptive. I had a lot of self-control, so I wasn't ever a child that got detention or any of those things. But what I, I got in trouble for was asking too many questions or asking questions that you don't, you're not supposed to ask those questions. In church, I would ask, how did Cain and Abel have wives? Who were their wives if, if Adam and Eve were the first two human beings in the world? And, you know, that was not an answer to ask. You're not supposed to ask those details because their wives are either their sisters or they weren't the only two people in the world. Either way, that's not a question you're supposed to ask. But that doesn't mean that, that I was being bad. It just meant that I was asking a question that the adult couldn't answer and the adult would get upset with me. What I found as I moved to the world was that I, I'm not a, the ideal student. I'm not the person who is going to get a blank slate and then that you're able to be written on with whoever wants you. I'm never going to be that. The truth is I've never been a blank slate. I have been who I've been since I was a little kid. And it doesn't matter how many times I've been hit. It doesn't matter how many times I've been punished. It doesn't matter how severely. You can't make me into a different person because I am formed like this. I am supposed to be like this. This is neurodivergence. And that is the biggest problem we run into. It isn't that we aren't gifted or that we aren't desirable. It's that we are self-made and we can learn on our own. And when I pulled my children out of school, I literally unschooled them and watched them move up much faster through the grades than when they were the system. I have map scores from my children showing that they did not grow at all during the school year, but would go up a couple grades in the summertime. When I finally got the hard cold data and I'm sitting across from the principal of my kid's school and saying, you're not even teaching during the year. And they're like, yeah, that's because they're disabled. I'm like, but she's teaching herself in the summer. Yeah, that's because she's disabled. Now, I don't see that as disability. I see that as you, not their needs at all. And I kept being denied that my children were uh, gifted or intelligent or whatever, even though I showed them way ahead in the end of grades and test scores that showed that they had knowledge and understanding of stuff way beyond. Myself and two of my children, we don't even test onto the tests for giftedness um, for fluid reasoning. We actually scored 25th percentile, and I've come to realize it's because we see the world 3D. So we're looking at more complex, we have just see more complexity in every question they have. And there are ways that those test questions either don't apply at all or apply in multiple ways, and they're only seeing it as 2D. It's just black and white for them. But for us, it has many dimensions. It has more dimensions. And so we test 
poorly on fluid reasoning because we have higher fluid reasoning skills. So high that the test can't even test them. And so we score like we were guessing, 25th percentile. Three of us score 25th percentile in fluid reasoning tests. The other one scores really high on it, and even she, I know, probably could score higher, but even that one, it's not an English sort of thing. Her giftedness is in the math. Again, she's a math savant. So the understanding of what we have is for intelligence is just not applying to the neurodivergence. You're being left out. And I cannot see in 2D. I simply can't. I can see the card, if you were asking me about that ball, I can see that card in 2D, but I cannot see in real life 3D, anything but 3D or plus. I cannot see a 2D card in my head. It's, it ends up being a card. It doesn't, it's not a flat picture. When you give me data in school, I'm constantly having anxiousness because I'm like, well, where's the rest of it? I need that full picture. I need that real life application. When I'm learning about stuff, like I was doing this stuff for Audacity, you know, I have to see the other person doing it. And then once I see it, I can learn it. But if I wrote a book on it, it's 2D and I'm like, mm, I don't really understand what they're saying. This word has many meanings to me. And it's very complicated because I am complicated. Not because I'm dumb or broken, because I am complicated. And I'm really, really tired of being told that I'm dumb or broken, and you should be too. And in this podcast, we're going to talk to you about how you're not dumb or broken, but rather brilliant. And we're going to go into that. So today's podcast is just to address if you're a 2D or 3D thinker, and my guess is if you're listening, you're a 3D thinker. And then next podcast, we will address how you use that 3D thinking to your benefit, because guess what? it's going to be amazingly to your benefit as change increases. You are going to be able to literally see the future, predict what's going to happen and adjust for it. That has gotten me out of poverty. It hasn't been luck. It hasn't been a million other things. It has been my ability to see and get in front of change. And that's what's going to get you out of whatever you're in that you need to get to. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. This has been the Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast. Tune in next time for some more tidbits on gifted neurodivergence and how to use it to your benefit. The views, information, and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent Gifted ND Incorporated, Lillian Skinner, or the Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast. This podcast, Lillian Skinner, and Gifted ND Incorporated are not responsible and do not verify the accuracy of the information contained in this podcast series. The primary purpose of this podcast is to inform and educate. The Gifted Neurodivergent Podcast is only available for private, non-commercial use. Any other use of the information contained within this podcast must be done with express written approval and knowledge of Lillian Skinner. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute any part of this podcast. The developer assumes no liability for this podcast or its use on any other podcast or other media.